This podcast is a podcast radio original. This is Podcast Radio. I'm Mark Pendergast, and we're joined by Fred Sirex, the Mater D from First Dates. Now, it's not just the parties playing. He actually spent 19 years as a Mater D, winning many awards and championing what he thought was a career rather than what some people just see as a fleeting job. He talks about his transition into television, working with Gordon Ramsay, and why it's so important to stay calm under pressure. It's an insightful conversation and well worth listening to, even if it's just for the French accent. We started off by talking about food and how it's so important in a relationship, especially if you're going on a first date. And of course, I had to test my French by saying, Bonjour, ça va, Fred? Almost, uh, you almost sound like a native. You're here to talk about food, of course, because you're a maitre d' and on first dates, and a, a man who combines food and love. How important is food when it comes to dating and love and relationships? Well, it's, it's very important. In fact, there was this research that's just been done by Dobsu where basically it says that 27% of people identify flexitarians, which means that they eat meat, fish, or, or, or plant-based options now. And this is even more prevalent with young people. So, you know, 18 to 24 years old, for example, you know, 44% of them, you know, are very aware of their very aware and conscious of their diet and of other people's diet and the fact that it should be respected and 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 you have to be very conscious of it and of course that's, that doesn't surprise me at all because young people obviously are the one who are going to be ruling the world very very soon and you know the other one who are going to inherit the, the, the planets you know when they're aware of climate change for example but also very health conscious in terms of what they put inside their body and they're very militant about it and so you know, I think it's, it's, it's not a trend anymore, plant-based. It's something that's here to stay and has been here for a while. But increasingly, more and more people will, that way of living and, and eating for the future, more and more people. Equally, some people may very well remain in the way that they are, eating fish, meat, and all sorts of other things. But the proportion of people going with plant-based is going to increase expon- exponentially and it's not going to stop. It's a thing, isn't it, though, when you've got two people who are going to meet together. I think the food says a lot about them. So if you, if you had a, a really hardcore vegan going out with someone who's like, yeah, I'm a proper man, I eat red meat all the time, straight away, even without the food, they're different viewpoints. It's not really going to work, is it? Well, I disagree with you. I think that it's all about Eve and Eve. And Eve, my good friend, for example, her husband, he's a, a vegan, very, very strict vegan. And she eats everything under the sun. And when she cooks, because she is the cook, she cooks a couple of meals, you know, one for him and one for her. And it worked. I think that, you know, you know, there has been, you know, I was reading my, my daughter was doing an essay about, she got me to have a look for her, about the way that people from the West Indies were, were in fact welcome in the UK in the 50s. And our mixed race relationship were frowned upon. So it would have been exactly the same question that people would be asking then, you know, is that what do you think of mixed race relationship? What do you think about a vegan and a meat eater? Of course we can be together. There's no problem with that. I think it's, it's our attitude and it's the way we are. It's the way that we're going to love and respect the others for who they are. So, yeah, I don't see a problem with that at all. What does your diet say about you? You know, if you take more care, I suppose it says if, you, if you've got a healthy diet, you take more care of yourself, you're you going to be more attractive to the opposite sex? Look, I mean, I mean, it depends. I mean, I think that, look, it, are you going to be more attractive to the opposite sex? I mean, 
do you need to be, you know, what do you need to be this attractive and attract every single, you know, woman or man, you know, under the sun? Because you know, is, is, is it is it the end goal? You know, I'm not sure that that is. I think that you know, it's 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 to be you, to be to be a happy person, and to be a person that can be trusted, that can be relied upon. I think that can be loyal. I think that's more important. And then if you are a, a vegan or a meat eater, and 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 people can trust you, I think that's that's the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, is it is it the worst thing you could possibly do though? Is lie about what you what you are before you go on a date? So, yes, I'm a, I'm a vegan, and if the relationship's going okay, at some point you're gonna have to disappoint your partner, aren't you? I know, I know, but people do that because people would do anything to get into a relationship and to be loved and to be liked. So they would say that they are taller, they would say that they are younger, they would say all sorts of things, including that, for example, they're vegan or or or, or, or vegetarian when they're not. And that, that happens. And in fact, the research by Dobsu has shown that. But what I would say to people is don't lie. You know, this. you're going to be found out. And at the end, you know, you're going to have to explain. And, and that may be a, a point where you, you, you just can't get out of, you know. So I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's, it's right, personally. What about your rise to stardom? You started out as a, a mate of D. You were a pretty successful one as well. You won awards for your, for your work at, at your restaurants. And then you go to TV. What was that switch like? It was very gradual and TV, you know, happened because of my charity work. And so and, and I was doing on TV what I did at work. So there was not much change apart from the fact that I was being filmed doing it. But I think it was great because it's about showcasing hospitality and the work that I do because the work of restaurants and hotels and hospitality is not profession that's respected and appreciated in the UK or in other parts of the world for, for what it is. And to be able to do it on television and to show people the kind of skills and the kind of uh, champion's mindset you need to have in order to deliver an impeccable experience for guests, you know, day in, day out. You know, I think it's a great opportunity. So I really embraced that and I thought it was it was a great opportunity and, 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 and great to do. And then I liked it because the skills and the values and all the things I'd learned in the restaurant business were things that I could apply very easily in the TV world. And these are the things that make people like you because they know that you are reliable. They know that you're going to perform. They know that you're going to deliver. They know that no matter how little sleep you had or how little that you know, you're always going to do your best because it's about delivering here and now. And that's what the restaurant world is about. And that's why these these skills that I've learned in the, in the restaurant world, you know, they they apply in the in the TV and radio world very easily, and 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 it just helps me, you know, to 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 be better at what I do. So yeah, I think the switch was very gradual and and very smooth. So I didn't feel it. You see, it just happened. Because you're so passionate about it, and I think that's the difference between France, maybe in the UK. People see working in restaurants in France, whether it's made to D, chef, etc., as a real career. Whereas in Britain, almost, it's something that, you know, students almost do part-time, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a job for students or people on a gap year. Or, you know, if you are not good at school or you don't have school, and if you're stupid, you can be a chef. And if you're really stupid, then you are going to be front of house like me. And uh, that's just a perception. And uh, unfortunately, it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, it's a great profession. You can travel the world. You can meet incredible people. You know, working in restaurant is not just like, of course, you've got to start somewhere. I mean, I started at a, at a dishwasher. You know, I, I started as a commie waiter, you know, carrying plates and stuff. But, you know, running a restaurant is so much more than just that. You know, you're running a business. And some of the businesses have run a multi-million pound business with hundred staff, you know, that you've got to look after and manage and train and and make sure that you coordinate, you know, and choreograph their performance to deliver, you know, 
uh, an experience for 200 people who are eating at the same time. And next door, you have a bar with 150 people, you know, with banging music. How do you do that? How do you make sure that you deliver and create that amazing experience? People say, wow, that was amazing. And I want to tell all my friends and family about, you know, that's what it's about. So you, it's so many skills and, and it's not just, like I said to you, just like plonking a plate or cooking a steak. There is much more at stake and, 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 and it's, it's, it's really like having a champion's mindset. It's, it's what it's about. It seems to work for you, though, because the, the fact you are a major D, it comes across as really authentic on the TV and especially on first dates. There was a French version in 2017. Were you never approached to do that one? No, never. You know, I think that the, the French wanted to do the show the way they wanted to do it, you know, and there's lots of versions. There's, there's a Spanish version, there's a Dutch version, and there was a version in America, you know, because the UK version really was the blueprint for first dates around the world, and it's a format that's been so successful. But for the format in the in the UK is and, and for for the other formats also is that it's a very genuine, very good program at heart when you know that that, that our only motivation is to put people, two people together who we think are going to match and it's going to be fireworks. And that's why we do it. So there is no, you know, the intent is pure, the intent is good. And, and we want to have a fairy tale at the end. Sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't. But, you know, at least we've tried and people can trust us to try. It seems to be the show that it's, it's so natural, but I was, I was just looking behind the scenes. There's something like the 72 camera setup there just to make sure they, they get everybody on camera and any great moments. Is that important in the show that it just seems so natural, that, that ability to just have two people talking or chatting or you chatting in the background? That is a genuine feel. Yeah, totally. I mean, you couldn't do a show like that with, you know, cameraman walking around and with cameras in your face. You know, it's the fact is that the, the restaurant is rigged. You don't realize where the cameras are. And as much as people might feel nervous when they walk in, you know, very quickly, they just feel at ease, some more than others, of course, but they forget about the camera. And it's a true, genuine experience that they have. And that's why it's so beautiful, because, you know, we can all relate to that. And as much as, you know, you may or may not be in a relationship, you can relate to what's happening. And there is the background stories, what happened to them. And, and you learn also, you learn about yourself, you learn about life. It opens your mind, I think. And First Date has done that very successfully for so many years. And that's why now this year we are filming a new series. And it's 10 years since we started. You know, it's still going strong. And that's testament to the, the show, to the longevity of the show, because it wouldn't have carried on for so long if it wasn't so good. People would have seen through it and said, that's it, I've had enough. Let's find another something else to watch on TV. And that's what restaurants are about. You find a restaurant that you like and people run it just like they've always run it, but with quality at heart and wanting to deliver the best experience. And you keep going back and back and back because you trust them. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, in restaurants, you know, if you start to not deliver, just like everything else in life, then people will switch off and go and try something else. It was interesting when he did that TV show with Gordon Ramsay. I'm, I'm sort of imagining him as the absolute chaos in the kitchen. You, you're the man front of house who's got to remain calm in absolute chaos sometimes. How difficult is that job? Very easy. Very easy. That's what you do. And that's your role. And, and you do it because it's your job. Just like if you're, a, I don't know, maybe a doctor and you are operating on somebody and you know your job you don't panic you just do what you do you do what you know your training is what your training is and 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 you know exactly what you're doing and you do it it's not a problem you just do it that's what pros do you know do you look in the back kitchen and you look at the likes of gordon ramsay and you think well just 
just calm down a little bit. It doesn't need to be like that. Well, Gordon is his own person. You know, he's an amazing chef, but also businessman, extremely successful. And I look up to him because of what he's achieved. You know, I was in Las Vegas with him. We were in a car and uh, there was a big billboard in front of us. And he was Gordon Ramsay. I don't know, he was maybe 20, 30 meters high. Gordon Ramsay, there, a picture. We started to laugh with Gino. And then we turned on the left and there was a van, a van with his face on it, advertising one of his burger places. And we just, we just started to laugh uncontrollably because it was just like insane. He was there driving the, driving the RV. I was at the back, Gino was on the right, and we were just laughing. Can you imagine how many people can do that? Well, he's omnipresent. You, you can't. You go to the airport, there's a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. You get off at the other airport, the other side, there's a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. He is, he is omnipresent. Is that, is that something you'd like to, would you like to be Gordon Ramsay big yourself? No, you know, I, I've always liked, I always liked being myself. I remember when I was playing football, when I was a kid, all the kids were saying, oh, who are you? Are you Michel Platini, Bruno Crochet, all these French famous players? And I always wanted to be me and they wanted, never wanted to be somebody else. I don't care about other people and being them. I want to be me and I want to be the best of me. Where would you like to take your career? You've obviously been doing first dates. You've done these shows with Gino and with Gordon Ramsay. Is there anything else? Is there, is there another itch you'd like to scratch? Have you got an idea that you'd like to pursue? I want to do everything, and I want to do it now. So give us one of the everythings. If you are, if I, I'm a TV executive. I don't know. I, I could give I you an, any show you want. What, what would you like to do? Well, I'm, you're not a TV exec, and no. I'm not going to give you my ideas that somebody else is going to think. So, well, <laughs> no, no, but Jeff, suffice to say that I've got loads of. Well, like, let's say hosting it, hosting a quiz show. Would you like to do that, for example? Would it, you know, so, what genre or something would you like to move into? Yeah, well, you know, uh, you know. I never imagined in a million years I would be doing television 20 years ago you know, or so, you know. So now I'm doing television. So I don't know what's going to happen. I take life as it comes. I don't know what's going to happen. I work hard. I don't have a plan as to where I'm going to be or what I'm going to do. I just work and I just enjoy what I do. And, and I try to make the most of every situation. So, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, you have an idea, you see something, you have an idea. So maybe we could do something like that. And then you do it. And sometimes if somebody calls you and say, what about that? Did you think of that? And you didn't think about it. So I think that, you know, for me, it's going where life takes me. I don't know where life is going to take me. I don't know where I'm going to be in a year or six months or, 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 or three years or five. I don't know. Antoine Lecorne, I was just thinking about him. He did Euro Trash in the UK. He did Rapido. I think he did a TV show on Channel 4, Love in the Afternoon. He's someone who's crossed. And I think he's the only one I can think of who's done. Being big in France and big in the UK as well. Would, would you like to go back to your home country and maybe do some TV there and some work there and become famous there as well? I think that, you know, being famous is not a, a goal in itself. Being famous is a byproduct of what you do being on television, you know? It's not a goal of mine to be famous. I mean, if an opportunity came and it was the right thing to be doing something in France and it would be it was fun, I'd do it. I mean, I'd done a show in Italy, in Italian. That was that was quite an experience to do because my Italian is okay, but not as fluent as it as it could be or should be. So that was quite an experience to do that. And it was fun. So why not? Never say never. We'll see what comes. Well, it's going to be a big 2023 for you, I would imagine, whatever happens. And fingers crossed as well that there's no disasters on the first date. And is there any last bit of advice you'd like to give anybody who's maybe heading out tonight on a, on a first date? The only advice I can say to people is enjoy yourselves and be you. That's it. I think that's perfect. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Fred. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Ciao. Fred Sirex there, covering all the main bases, I think. Love, life and food. This is Podcast Radio. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book, Book Nerds. Nerds. 
Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!